Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. <laughs> and again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So it's weird. I have this promo that's running. I don't know if you guys have heard it or not, talking about me sitting here over the past couple of months and whining and crying incessantly about how I believe the effects will be profound in the positive once Jonathan Taylor returns and plays for this team. How his inclusion, how his participation, his production with this team will help the growth of Anthony Richardson. And remember, I said that even before this team played, and even with the disappointment that took place inside Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday, this team's 2-2. Two and two. And tied now with everybody else within the AFC South. And the AFC South, as it stands presently, looks like the AFC South that we've seen prior. Which means it looks like through the first four weeks of the season, does it not? That that division is a massive jump ball. I'm not trying to tell anybody right now that you should change your opinion. Remember, the six and a half... Many of us, if not really all of us, took the under on it regarding wins in the season, the Vegas odds. But I want to see this Jonathan Taylor thing go well. And I'm going to say this. If if it goes well, and I'm not really, and I told you so, well, other than Miles Turner, I'm going to, I told you so that until I'm dead. Really not other than that, and I told you so type of guy. So I won't do that with Taylor. The question I ask you, do you think now, after missing the first four weeks of the season, after not practicing team-wise or really playing football going all the way back to December of a year ago, can he add a different layer to this offense and make them even more dangerous. I, To me, I believe he can, but I'm going to add a, another layer to this question. Can he do it sooner rather than later? So Shane Steichen yesterday, while we were doing this show, was asked a question about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so they're not going to practice on Wednesday now because of a lot of injuries. They're going to get on the field on Thursday. That's when Taylor gets out on the field. And that will be the first time with his team since last December. It has been a long time. 
Now, do I expect him to play coming up on Sunday? No, I don't expect him to play. But I would ask you, when you do see him sooner rather than later, can he just pick up on the now healthy, productive running back that people like me expect him to be? And then how do you consider Jonathan Taylor once he gets worked into this Shane Steichen offense? It's easy for me to sit here and say, this guy has been talented. He has led the league in rushing before. He is a game breaker on a team without game breakers. So honestly, what does he add? And then what is the time period of your belief that he's going to be able to add something or add what you believe that he can? Now, some of you maybe think that he's not going to add anything. Maybe some of you believe that, you know what? One of these days, that's going to be somebody else's problem. But let's just think about this in the moment, in the now. With the team that at least early on in the season has proven that they can play with the teams on their schedule. I'm not going to match them up against some of the best in the NFL. Don't get me wrong on that. But if you look at their schedule now and you look at their schedule in the future, remember those times when we thought that the Bengals would be that tough? They're a crap show. That's what they are. These games week in and week out with the team that we have seen so far are winnable. And I know what you're saying out there right now. Well, wait a minute. Isn't this about the growth of the quarterback, the maturation of the quarterback? You you guys all said that. All spring and all summer. It's all about that. It's not about wins. Well, for one, I've never said it's not about wins. I've always sat here and told you that during a rebuild or a reboot, if you can win games, then win games. That makes everybody happier, especially those around here that have been winning starved. And I mean everybody, no matter what you're rooting for. Unless you've been rooting for Carmel Swimming that wins year after year after year, you've probably had a hole in your resume for being able to get excited about the consistency of winning. And especially with your professional teams. And I said the same thing last year about the Pacers, and they didn't win squat. But they sold you on how it's coming, and then now you put the expectations on this team this year, not to contend in the Eastern Conference, but to go to the postseason. You know, raise that bar on what we saw a year ago. That's your expectation. There were no expectations a year ago. There are now, and that's kind of the difference between what you get in the NFL and any other sport because the NFL is so much in the moment And then you look around your own division and you think, you know, why can't you? I know they blew it last weekend. I I was talking to Jake and to Jimmy and to Eddie about that before the start of the show. They flat blew it. I thought they blew it more defensively than they blew it anyplace else on that field. And that's too bad because that defense and Gus Bradley, they have had really good games. The first three really good for a defense that you really wanted to feel good about. And I talked about going into week number three and the tackles for loss. You know, in the aggressive nature, and I guess when you look back on Sunday still, that's what's so massively disappointing because the aggressive nature, which was 
counter to how Gus Bradley normally works things defensively, that aggressive nature in Baltimore against Lamar Jackson, mind you. He can move and move swiftly. You did that. You brought the heat, and it paid off. It helped get you a win, an improbable win at that. And then you blank around last weekend with a guy that really needed to be moving around with a cane out there. He needed a rascal or something. And and believe me, I'm not making fun of Matthew Stafford because the dude was a flat stud. People like us, injured like that, not being able to move, we would have all gone home and cried. Every last one of us. Now, we sit here and talk about guts and toughness and all. We have zero idea. None. But you got a pretty good example of it in Matthew Stafford. The bad part about it is that for whatever reason on Sunday, the Colts and their defense rarely tested it. And I know you're going to tell me about, well, there's no DeForest Buckner, um, and you're going to give me these myriad of reasons of what was going on. You had to make a choice on that. You, You could not take both. And what I mean by that is you couldn't play it soft and try to protect in that secondary because you weren't confident in the numbers, certainly, that the Rams were putting up in large part by Puka Nakua. But you couldn't have both. I mean, you had to at least go after something you thought you should get. And it was almost like any average fan out there would have thought, all right, yeah, you got to go at this dude heavily right here. They never did. And they still got whipped down the field. But still, even in that loss, it puts you in a spot now where you're thinking – all right, you know, maybe this can be a season where you can, and you've had few and far between over the years where you can see the growth in a team and a quarterback and an organization that hopefully after six stinking years of the general manager guidance here gets back on track and in assuming that he realizes that he's going to need a weapon, a weapon. They have weapons, a weapon, weapons, capital letters you realize that and you move forward but as i've always said there is nothing wrong with winning games while you're there nothing wrong with it so i'm serious when you look at the return at whatever point that's going to be do i think it's going to be sunday no i think it would be spectacular if it were could you imagine spectacular it would be I'm also curious about this. For those that are going to the game on Sunday, and again, I'm just going to speak in hypothetical terms right here. And I'll tell you how I believe it's going to go. And I think that it would be probably better. If he came back on Sunday, I think he would certainly get much more of a cheer than, for example, if he didn't come back for the next couple of weeks. Because everybody gets to talking and you get this out there and that out there. And you've already had these form opinions, formed opinions right now. I think everybody's kind of backed off the blame of the organization now. Right or wrong, people have backed off of it. And it's been more of the representation of that of Jonathan Taylor. What's going to be your response? Let's just say, for example, he does step out there for the first time. 
on Sunday? What is going to be your crowd response? Now, I know this, that it may be a mixture of boos and cheers and some people out there, may, hey, you know, I'm still mad at this guy. And then the first time he rips off a 20-yard run or something, you guys are going to forget about all that. Forget about all of it. I mean, really, that's all it's going to take for him to get you back. If you're not there right now, if you're not a friend of the running back, not a friend of 28, it's going to take one big run to get you back on board. I'm not suggesting that's the easiest thing to do, but that's all it's going to take. One big run to get you back. Ah, this this weekend, the next couple of weeks. Now, still, even if he doesn't, and again, do I expect him to play Sunday? I do not expect him to play on Sunday. But let's just say, for example, I, I like like it for the sake of the argument here. If he does, it take you all of about five minutes to go. All right, I'm back on board. And again, as I mentioned in the promo, as I talked about yesterday, that's kind of what I've I'm looking for here. And really, it doesn't matter to me whether he plays here next year or goes someplace else, or I'm not worried about mending fences or relationships or any of that stuff between the organization and Jonathan Taylor. I just want to I want to see him back up why I spent the better part of two months saying this guy is so stinking important, get something done. Because we we have seen in this instance an opportunity for them to win games. When we talked about the schedule being conducive for that, we really didn't believe it. And even with a loss to the Rams in a game that you stinking should have won, you still are going to have that opportunity. How much does he add and how are you going to feel once he steps out onto that field? And is he going to give this team a little added, a little extra I mean, certainly from a game-breaking standpoint, what do they have besides him? Him? That's it. I've always sat here and said this. Hey, you go out here and you prove people wrong. You go out here, you're ready, and you produce, and then you raise the bar on how much some are willing. Maybe you change some minds out there. I'm not quite sure that's the case. But I will sit here. I will sit here and tell you that everybody's looking for a game breaker. Everybody's looking for anything. You watch this Giants team last night. You watch that mess. Everybody's looking for something right now. And really, the only way that Jonathan Taylor has, as of right now in his position, to be able to show his value, his worth, and what he believes that he is, is do it on the field. And do it for this team. And in turn, do it for you. That's what I expect. And again, I hope I'm right about this because you're right. I have whined and cried for two months. Talking about how both sides need to come together. Two months. So I want that instant gratification. I don't want to have to wait. That's kind of where I sit right now. That's where I sat a year ago with the Pacers when everybody else was talking about entertaining losses. And that term makes me absolutely nauseous now. Everybody wants to use it. Everybody wants to use it and they're all nerds. (laughs) Not really. But that's how it seems. 
just seems like, too, when you get an opportunity and don't take advantage of it, regardless of, hey, you know, you're, what do they say, on the come, which makes me giggle. Um, yeah, you, you know, you're on the road, you're on the path to becoming a good team. I'll give you a great example. Like the team I root for in baseball, the Reds, hey, you know what, everything's going to be okay because their future is bright. We don't know if their future is bright. looks like it with the players they have, but they are the Reds. <laughs> See, I mean, who knows? They are the Reds, and they've been the Reds like this since 1990. They've been the Reds like this since 75 and 76. What I'm saying is, it is always good to take advantage of the opportunity that you have early, if you can, because that's when everybody really gets wound up about it. And then, on the other hand, you never know if you're going to have that opportunity again. And all we have to do for any evidence of that whatsoever is go back nearly two years ago on a Christmas night when we watched this team led by Carson Wentz and Desmond Patman with a game-winning touchdown, that reception, and what we thought about this team then, and then consider what we know as evidence now. Across the board, everybody that covers the NFL, I remember hearing Rich Eisen on the broadcast talk about, hey, if there's a team in the NFL I don't want to play, it's this one. And then for the rest of that season, the team was a joke. And a big joke last year. So there is nothing wrong with thrilling the faithful with winning games during a rebuild before your time. And then legitimizing it because you just don't know that next year you're going to fall in line and it's going to be that way again. You just don't know. So that is my thought. I'm going to get yours coming up on the other side. We've got a loaded show for you today. I've got bullseye passes if you guys want to go. People ask me all the time, what's that about? Well, it's about eating. Uh, It's about drinking. It's about having a good time which I like doing all three of those things. It's about great music. There's a fourth for me. It really is. In in terms of, I was talking about this with Jake in the press box on Sunday. Yeah, what can you do to add to the game day experience? You know, what can be done? And one thing you can do that you do have control of is what your game day experience is before you get into the stadium. And this is how you do it. Because then you already have that thing. You you have that built up. You have that in your back pocket. Hey, this is what I did already. What a blast that was. And then you go in there and you want your team to win. Don't get me wrong, but you've already made your day before they kick at one o'clock. It's a beautiful thing. BullseyeEventGroup.com, the Colts VIP tailgate. That's presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. Now, we'll give away some tickets for that coming up a little bit later on. Actually, all day long, in fact. Yeah, good time. Uh, week, week number five, locked and loaded with the Tennessee Titans coming up on Sunday. Got a lot of reaction for that later on this week as well. Yeah, the Titans, it's funny. The Titans have had ownership, and you know this all too well, ownership of the Colts in recent history here, and that's something else that needs to change. 
You people going to a game and then walking out of that building depressed because they lost again. On the verge of losing eight consecutive. I'm going to tell you, and that's one of the disgusts I had on Sunday. The sense of urgency quest where you had lost six straight in that building going into Sunday and you came out there with zero sense of urgency. I know it's easy for me to say, but you tell me if it looked that way or it didn't. And this organization had disappointed fans in that building, paying their hard-earned money, buying everything, taking the family, all that stuff, had disappointed for six straight games, and then you come out flat like that, to me, was ridiculous. No matter what you think about this team. So, yeah, they kind of owe you one. And there is nothing better than taking advantage of owing you one than doing that against a team that has had ownership of you in recent memory and is a rival of yours with your own cruddy division. Big game. You know what? Hold on a second. This just occurred to me. James, you know what just occurred to me? What's up? You know what this is on Sunday. What is this? You know what this is. You know what this is. It's not just football, but you know what this is on Sunday. Please elaborate. This is a must win. There you go. Okay. Okay. This is a must win. In fact, in fact, I would almost sit here and tell you the next two weeks are must wins. This is a must win on Sunday. You haven't heard that from me in a long time. Does that make you guys feel good? You guys feel special? You haven't heard that from me in a long time. This is a must win. And I think I have pretty much laid out to you why this is a must win. And if any of you dorks out there give me the math on it, then I'm going to have to shut you down. Because you need not do the math like you're some overanalyzing dude. Put away your Texas Instruments calculator and your Commodore VIC-20. I don't care what it says. I don't care what all the older generational folks say. Well, you know what? It's not a must win until you get to December. Yes, this is in the category of a JMV must win on Sunday. Lock that up as a must win, okay, James? I'm going to go as far as maybe even saying the next two weeks, but certainly Sunday is. And the myriad of reasons I have given should be enough, even if your calculator does not suggest the same thing. Uh, we can hit that at 239-1070. The email address is jam via 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, brought to you by Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses. It is certainly not just an indie. But an Indiana favorite right now, flying off the shelves and ready, willing, and able to be spread. The official sponsor of this show, Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live as well, original, sharp cheddar, bacon and cheddar, pepper jack, Winshuler's spreadable cheese is available at Kroger and Meyer locations throughout the state of Indiana. Your call's coming up on the other side. Greg Rakestraw is going to be here as well. Brad Spielberger is going to swoop in with some numbers. Here's what I don't want you to look at. Don't look at the Blake Freeland pass protection PFF numbers. Don't look at it. I swear to you, it looked like 
It looked like a six-month period of grades I got in algebra. It was not good. What do they call it to be cool? The pass pro. The pass pro was not good. Individually speaking, was not good. What was it? Paul Hardcastle had a song back regarding Vietnam. Say back in 1986 called 19. 19. Ferris Bueller skipped school. Had nine absences in the second half of his senior year. In 1986, um, 19, so 10 more than that. 19 was the number, 19%. We'll discuss that with Brad. That's an ugly number. And still, does it not make you wonder why there was not, could you not give more help? Could you not help out? My man was on Gilligan's Island all the time, and he protected like he was the skipper. Seriously, it was not good. Talk about that with Brad Spielberg in the 4 o'clock hour. Bob Kravitz is going to join us, the columnist, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. BullseyeEventGroup.com, Colts VIP tailgate passes. We'll have those to give away. And again, a shout-out to Derek Schultz. I have to have a dental – I am so hopped up on drugs right now. I'm trying (laughs) – I mean, I need to be in a band. Like, I need – I think – I'm so hopped up on drugs right now that I think even though I cannot play an instrument, Buck Cherry would hire me immediately. And a shout-out to the super dentist, Brad Sammons, who's going to get me in tomorrow. And a shout-out to our good friend, Derek Schultz, who will be reunited. It will feel really good, like Peaches and Herb, with Jake Query coming up here. A little crossover conversation tomorrow. But no, seriously, it was a short amount of time, and Derek's going to come in tomorrow for me. Um, while the super dentist looks in my mouth. <laughs> Sounds weird, too, doesn't it? I, I I chose that over performs. <laughs> Looks better than performs. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD radio sounds absolutely fantastic if you have that capability in your ride. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Seriously, hopped up so much that Buck Cherry would hire me even though I cannot play an instrument. Uh, Brad Spielberg, or PFF, is going to talk about some numbers in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Bob Kravitz, uh, non-numbers conversation in the 5 o'clock hour. Dan Orlovsky, who's going to be on with us on Friday, correct? Uh, had mentioned this a little bit earlier today. Richardson, talking about Anthony Richardson, has been better than hoped. All I think about when I watch Indy is what a big-time wide receiver they'll go out and get next year. And uh, we've talked about this here. That is an absolute must. I am going to go and camp out in Chris Ballard's yard next year until, seriously, until that is recognized. I'm assuming it's recognized by now. I don't even have a tent. I'll go buy a tent. But that is priority number one. Uh, meantime, by the way, Glenn tells me, before I get to our first guest today, sends me a picture 
There's an ample supply of Schuler's spreadable cheeses at the Southport Kroger. Now, granted, if there's like three mopeds in the parking lot, you'll have to go park someplace else. But there's an ample supply in the Southport Kroger location. Go grab that spreadability. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Friend of the show, Greg Rakestraw, with a fantastic request in David Bowie's Let's Dance on Saturday night. Well done. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Um, we'll start. Were you as disappointed? I know you did the post-game show, the fifth quarter huddle, you and Bill on Sunday. Two things. Disappointed in, in just the lackluster start, which led basically throughout the first half, and the defense overall, because the defense that we had seen, and especially the defense that we had seen become aggressive in that game against Lamar Jackson and Baltimore, taking advantage of what they didn't have on an offensive line, which led to me to a win in Baltimore that they weren't more aggressive against the guy that probably needed a cane or certainly a golf cart to get around late in that second half on Sunday. Uh, I thought they were disappointed in the lackluster start period because that's what cost them the game amongst anything else. Um, and I would say that despite his, uh, his old man status and clearly injured status at the end of the game, Stafford did a great job of effectively moving around in the pocket and I can think of when EJ Speed comes in there without a finger being laid on him, and still Matthew Stafford finds a way to complete the pass and move the chains for the first down. So you can be upset with the Colts at the lackluster start. There's also something to acknowledging, hey, the McVay guy can really coach, and the Stafford guy can really play, um, and that maybe all of us, a lot that we talk about the Rams on a regular basis around here, I think a lot, a lot of folks have thought, all right, you know, their, their window has closed, uh, they still got some talented players, and 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 they played well against the Colts on Sunday afternoon. So Greg Grayster on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I've gone ahead and, and coined it already here because the Colts have a one in their own building in their last seven tries, which is bad. Uh, it seems like certainly in recent history, Tennessee has had the ultimate ownership of the Colts in this particular AFC South rivalry. And just given the circumstances altogether, putting that together, this makes this game a must win for the Colts on Sunday. Does it not? Week five well, must it win. It is you and it is a day that ends in Y. So yes, oh, I, have, I haven't win. done this in a while though, buddy. Not in a while. Um, I've been saving them up. Yeah. This is this is a big one. I agree with you on that front. Um, because again, if, if if you had found a way to you know just win from the start, but let alone you got the ball back after coming from twenty three points down, and you go three and out with ninety seconds left to go, could you imagine the conversation we're having today if they win that football game exactly on sun on, on yep. Sunday afternoon? Yep. Uh, because after after week two and week three. You know, we're kind of having that 2012 vibe of, hey, when nobody had expectations, everything seems to be clicking in for this football team. Now, Katie, bar the door, not exactly the greatest schedule in the world. Hey, this team can make a run. It is still possible. I'll remind people that when the Indianapolis Colts won 11 games in Andrew Luck's rookie year and Chuck Pagano's first year and Ryan Grigson's first year, pretty sure they started two and three and then won like six or seven games consecutively. So to some degree, they're, they're ahead of the game. So I, I think for this team to truly have a surprisingly wonderful season, Sunday's game is a must win. Everybody's in first place in the division right now. 
if you're a game back after Sunday, maybe you're still playing with house money to a certain degree. But for this team to make a run at a postseason bid, a win Sunday would go an awful long way. And you also look at it in terms of, of what you have seen. And then we also talked about this schedule. And that becomes more magnified now because that schedule looks even more winnable than we thought it was with a team that we we hadn't really seen yet and kind of wondered about. The, the schedule's incredibly winnable now, so you get those thoughts. And I think those thoughts for Colts fans, it's twofold here. It is good for them to have those thoughts, and I think they're legitimate at this point of the season yep. when you look at it moving forward. Do I think the Colts are a great team? No. Are they a bad team? No. Are they maybe a little better than we thought they were going to be? Yes. Um, and everything for those teams that are somewhere in the minimal, somewhere in the middle, comes down to a play or two. And that's what Sunday afternoon came down to was a play or two. If you're going to do that and you find a way to make those plays, you can truly have a difference maker of the season. And I think that's attainable for this football team. Jonathan Taylor, is there any way, shape, or form you would believe that he runs out on that field ready to play at some point on Sunday? I think it would be a stretch. Um, And they're going to have a walkthrough tomorrow, not really a practice. Um, They're going to practice Thursday. And again, Friday practices are nothing more than glorified walkthroughs anyway. Um, I know he's been working on his own while at the complex the last three or four weeks. I think it is. I think it is much more uh, a likelihood that he sees some snaps next week. Again, he's going to play sooner than later. He's got to get that clock ticking in terms of being on the active roster uh, for free agency status. Just kind of accelerate the process and not be stuck in limbo for another year. He's going to play at some point in time, but I think that's a heck of an ask to come out and be able to play, even if a limited number of snaps after not having seen any action in training camp for the first four weeks of the season. Do you believe this to be a slam dunk that upon his return and his acclimation to this team again, that he's going to be able to to pick up where a lot of us expect him and production-wise the numbers that he would put up? I'm not talking about through an injury-riddled season of a year ago, even though he did still put up with those those injuries and such. You know, numbers conducive to a a playmaker and a big-time player. Do you expect that? Now with this group moving forward, once he reacclimates to the situation, I, I think you put a very important qualifier there. Give him a couple of weeks to get ready. Um, and again, I, I think the off, is the offensive line playing the level that they did in 2021 when he had that amazing season. Probably not. But again, for him to be able to play off a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, who will draw so much attention from the defense because of his ability to run the football, uh, I, I think that could lead to some massive plays and some big numbers for Taylor if he stays healthy, if he gets you know, three-quarters of the workload that he got two years ago with this football team. Just playing off of Richardson alone, I think, is a massive difference maker for him. So Greg Gregstraw, the post-game show host, that is the Colts' fifth-quarter huddle, Get to a little high school football in a second. I don't know how much college football we'll talk about. I guess we could talk about Notre Dame and Purdue, but other than the offensive or the uh, the OC position in Bloomington, when that changed on Sunday, I don't know how much in-depth you want to get on that. But I do want to hit this IU basketball note 
What do you think about the IU-Kentucky, I should say, rivalry coming back in 2025? So 2025, 2026, 27, and 28. Rupp, Lucas Oil Stadium, Rupp Arena again in Assembly Hall. You love it that it's back? I'm glad they got it done. Um, again, I, I, even if it required IU to have a bit of a give there and say, all right, you're coming to Bloomington once in four years and not two, um, I would rather them do this and have – you know, instead of meeting 50-50 in the middle, it's 52-48 in favor of Kentucky. So what? Basketball fans win. These two are playing each other again. Uh, this was an ignorant 10-year pissing match. That it was. has gone by the wayside. That's beautiful. That's, I love the way you put it, ignorant. Very ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> and and, a, lot of the, and a, lot, a lot of the ignorance wasn't on the side of the Hoosiers, okay? The ignorance, as per usual, came from the other side of the Ohio River. But finally, it's been taken care of, and these were playing each other as they should be. Oh, one time, Ernest T. Bass was thinking himself as no account, and Andy Griffith reminded him that, you know what, Ernest T., you're not no account. You're just uh, ignorant. So, ignorant. <laughs> I like the way that you put that. Greg Rakestraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. High school football, I mean, we're going down the stretch run right now. In this regular season, and uh, certainly this weekend, you got some big games. What stands out to you? Connell and Warren Central is the game that I have, and I think both teams are kind of rebuilding uh, a little bit. Ben Davis and LC. Ben Davis really has, you know, kind of kind of the, the the mick, you know, taking care of at this point with two games left to go against Lawrence Central and then North Central. Uh, the fact that Ron Colley and Cathedral are playing each other again is a wonderful thing. Cathedral's a little bit down. Ron Colley's probably a whole lot down uh, by their standards this year. So it's great that they're playing, much like IU and Kentucky. I'm not sure that game would have had the impact it would have had last year uh, or in years gone by. But the story simply is, John, we're to playoff times in a couple of weeks. I mean, the pairing show is Sunday night, and with it being, you know, 92 degrees yeah. outside, that's what my car tells me. You don't think it's postseason time, but really it is. Uh, and, and for the 1A and 4A guys, it's two weeks from this Friday. For the 5A and 6A, it, it, you know, you, you get a little more time. You get a little more time to kind of reset, get that bye week rest up and prepare a little bit. For the 1A through 4A guys, man, uh, there's no break. You're playing, uh, and the end of the season gets on you quickly uh, at times in the 1A through 4A classifications. By the time we get to Monday morning when it's around 39 degrees, it'll feel that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, rocking the hooded sweatshirt uh, as part of my uh, gear on Friday night for Warren Central and Carmel, believe me. All right. So, again, this is a must-win on Sunday, and I'm going to make the call right now. I think the, the roof and the window open on Sunday afternoon for the Titans, yes or no? Uh, and I know a lot of people have said, hey, it is a it is a perfect day outside. Why is the roof closed? I, I, I get it. Because it was not a perfect day in what the Colts believe is a perfect day. That's not a perfect day for them. I think Sunday is, right? Correct. And, 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 and if you're, the, the circulation when you open the roof in Lucas Oil is simply not great. So whatever, whatever the, the, the outside temperature is, if you're in the lower bowl of the stadium, add, add about 10 degrees to that. And you're probably looking at it being maybe a little toasty for those, you know, on the field, in the lower bowl, et cetera. With the forecast high being, you know, sunny and 60 on Sunday or in that neighborhood, that's perfect, especially for two teams who I think are going to want to bludgeon each other by running the football primarily during the course of the game. Um, I was joking with Bill Brooks 
that, you know, we may have the postgame show by 345 on Sunday afternoon because it's going to be Derrick Henry right, Zach Moss left, quarterback keepers occasionally throwing the football. That game might fly on Sunday but, yes, I would expect the route to be open on Sunday. Yeah, the Titans have not been uh, any good whatsoever on the road, been good at home, and the Colts just need a breakthrough. It's been way too long. and They didn't have any business losing seven consecutive at home as they did on Sunday. They have zero business you know, making it eight at home at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's going to stir some echoes nobody wants stirred. Well, I would hope that, uh, and, and again, you and I have done this long enough that we kind of think back to, all right, yeah. what's the last time you felt like this? Or what's the last time you went through a window like this? And and, and first year of the AFC South, the Titans still had their way with the Colts. In 2003, there was a, a, a significant and physical win the Colts had against the Titans, and it kind of set the rivalry in Indy's favor for the basically the next 15 years. Uh, and, and perhaps you're looking at a moment like that come Sunday afternoon. Well, hopefully, must win, must win, and then I'm going to reserve the right to must win that thing up in week six with Jacksonville down there. Fifteen more must wins queued up for the rest of the season, but the only not must win is on November the 19th when they play Brigham Young East. Yeah, I didn't didn't must win it last year because it was such a circus, there was no reason, but the must win... It's going to be back. All right. Greg, I appreciate it. I will be looking for your call on a fantastic Saturday night. By the way, of course, you'll, you'll get it. Um, yeah. I, I haven't thought about this since the last time the Colts played internationally. You know, I, I literally had an office just down the hall from you in the studio. Sure. Are you going to Germany the second week of, of November? I don't believe I am. Uh, I don't believe I am. I'm not sad Is about it either. I don't really know if. Takeover? Yeah, I don't really know if I. Like. You talked me into, and rightly so, and London was an awesome time. I'm so glad I attended that. Frankfurt, Germany in the second week of November uh, doesn't really uh, bring too much arousal to me, if you know what I mean. It does nothing for your Wiener schnitzel? No, no. I mean, London London in the first, what, weekend of October was outstanding. Love that. So. All right, I'll make sure they ask you for, for a better date next time. And I believe that may be either the next to last or the last Jam V takeover before the Christmas music is underway. At least it's one of the, the last the, couple. The holiday hiatus as well. You, you can't miss that. You can't miss The holiday hiatus is not too far away. Appreciate you, Greg. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Top of three, the best of three wild card round in the AL. The Rangers up a run, one nothing over the Rays again. Top of three. That is going on down at Tropicana right now. We get best of three with the Rangers and the Rays. 430 Blue Jays and Twins coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. All right, your calls and more coming up on the other side. 93.5-1075 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Hey, my buddy, Swanson, full steam ahead, over there. I want to go over there. I'll move over, Swanson, I'm driving. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. 
James over there. I'm John. Thank you very much for joining us. Kravitz is going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Greg Rakestraw a little bit earlier. That podcast up there, 107.5thefan.com. Your calls on the other side regarding my must-win claim on Sunday. That and then how, once he does get back out there, and I'm assuming it's not going to be Sunday because that's really quick, but since I want to make sure we cover the bases here, what do you think that the uh, fan reaction once Taylor is back onto the field for the first time is going to be? We'll get to you coming up here shortly on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pile Find him on X, the formerly social media known as Twitter. From Brooklyn, New York, at PFF underscore Brad, Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus. He does join us. Give me some of your, from a Colts standpoint on Sunday, disappointments that you saw in what was an incredibly winnable game that they lost to the Rams in overtime. Yeah, you know, I think as the offense started to gel and figure things out, there were still some miscommunications. You know, there's been that video going around of Anthony Richardson has Josh Downs, you know, running up the seam but has leverage to the outside of the boundary, could have had a ton of room to run. Um, and I think he identifies the coverage, expects Downs to run out towards the sideline, and he turns up the seam into, into two defenders' face, and, and he throws the ball. It looks like a total misthrow. And I think if Downs was, was thinking the same way he was, it actually would have been a massive gain. So there are a couple little plays like that, obviously some misthrows as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a winnable game. It was an awesome comeback uh, against a football team in L.A. that I think is better than a lot of folks expected. Um, it, it was a tough loss after, after you know, really coming close. Yeah, I I want to look at some of the numbers too. Have you have you crunched the numbers on the offensive line? I thought I saw the PFF numbers. You know, Blake Freeland had that first start on the left side um, in place of Bernard Ryman, who was out in concussion protocol, and evidently from a pass blocking standpoint, things did not go well grading wise. It was a rough afternoon for Freeland. You know, who I think is going to become a good player out of BYU in a couple of years. Big body, good athlete. I think he will get there. He's a bit developmental, kind of just like, you know, Raymond was, and, and Raymond's playing better football this year. But, yeah, we had him allowing six pressures. He had a pass block rate below 20. Uh, you know, one of the sacks also credited to him as well. You know, the interior play, too. I mean, when you have, you know, uh, Ryan Kelly still on the lineup, and then Will Fries, I think, kind of has been the weak spot of this offensive line when he does play. That uh, They both, you know, allowed multiple pressures, three and five for those two guys respectively. So, yeah, that, that was tough because, look, Aaron Donald's going to dominate. We know that. But, I mean, these Rams edge rushers are, are last for us in pressures, last for us in pressure rate, last for us in pass rush grade. Like, they have one good player on the defensive line. Um, they, the tackles should have been able to win. You know, Braden Smith played well. But but you would have liked to see a little bit more from Blake Freeland. Was it a, a struggle? It was the second start at center for Wesley French in for Ryan Kelly, also out uh, with concussion protocol as, as well. What was his numbers like across the board blocking-wise? Yeah, so we have him with five pressures allowed uh, and a sack yeah. and a sub-50 pass block rate. So, yeah, it, it was a tough afternoon for him as well. Yes, <laughs> Brett Spielberger of PFF. Seemed like it via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Now, I want your numbers and your thoughts on Anthony Richardson, and I'm assuming we would have to start in this second half because there wasn't much to go on either side of the football in the first half. But what did you think down the stretch out of him and then compare that to the entirety of the game with Richardson back at quarterback coming out of concussion protocol and missing a game last week in Baltimore? Yeah, there was a lot of good there. I mean, I think the throw like the throw that really encapsulates why this guy went top five in the draft is – 
when he's got a guy barreling down on him and he throws the ball to Alec Pierce down the right seam um, and, and delivers a beautiful throw. He had a nice throw over the middle uh, to Josh Downs between the numbers. Um, not pressured there, but a really nice throw on second and 19. If you remember, kind of late at the end of that first half, they're driving. His pocket presence to me is impressive. He stands in. He stands tall. Even though he did get pressured a ton in this game, I don't think he was bailing out of a lot of clean pockets. Like like you said, obviously there was not a lot of production. There were some inaccurate throws, some missed opportunities. But I still think you saw a lot of good, a lot of recognition of defenses, knowing where he wanted to go. You know, the execution has to follow. But I think cerebrally pre-snap and then some of the physical tools are just jumping off the charts, even in a down outing. Is is he been through the first four weeks here more impressive than you thought he was going to be? And then, because I, I thought C.J. Stroud, for the most part, from what I've seen, I didn't see week number one, and that looked to be a struggle, no doubt. But considering what he does not have around him, I think Stroud having that team at two and two, he's had really good performances too. How do you compare the two rookies at quarterback within the AFC South? Yeah, you know, I thought Richardson, uh, again, we've probably talked on this show, did not think he was as big of a project as he was made out to be. I think there are some things he need to clean up in his game, no question, but I think Shane Steichen understands how to design the offense to his strengths. Uh, let him hit on some of those deep shots, let him use his legs, uh, but I still am just, uh, I'm a fan of his pocket presence. He has good footwork. He, he aligns his feet and his shoulders to where he wants to throw the ball, so the inaccurate, his release, I think, is a little bit quicker, too. I know they worked on that his last year at Florida. Maybe the inaccuracy comes from a little bit lack of sometimes putting the proper touch on throws. You know, he's so strong and has this cannon arm, but sometimes you like to see him layer the ball, take a little bit of speed off of it, you know, kind of throw the off-speed pitch a little. But I think all of those things can, more so than bad footwork or bad progressions or bad eyes, I think you can fix those things. Um, look, CJ Stroud's been re- remarkable. I mean, truly, truly exceptional. They had four third-string offensive linemen playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense that was ninth in pressure rate coming into this game. He took zero sacks in the game. He was he was getting the ball out quickly, in rhythm, on schedule to guys in space. Um, the first touchdown pass to Nico Collins was where only he could catch it. You know, you know Stroud had a guy barreling down on him. He stood tall in the pocket, delivered a nice ball with good zip away from the the, the, the corner there. So, yeah, I mean, he's our fifth-highest-graded quarterback on third and fourth down, uh, averaging over nine yards per attempt on third down, which is second only to Patrick Mahomes. Um, he, he and Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, ha- have been remarkable through a month in Houston. I just think it's even more magnified. And it comes from the fact that we've actually you know, sat through a Texans game that he has played as well as he has, considering that he has really, outside of uh, Nico Collins, he's got zero around him, it seems. Yeah, I mean, rookie Tank Dell has been a fun player. I guess you're right. Um, yeah, you know, I left him out, too. You're right. No, but, but I, I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with you. It's like if we're going to highlight as, as a big bonus, you know, a third-round rookie who's 5'8", 165, <laughs> and obviously he's – no, obviously, you know, he, he's overcoming that. Yeah. That's not supposed to be a dig necessarily, but you know what I mean. Though, like, he has to get free releases kind of schemed up for him a little bit. He's not going to, you know, always be able to just beat press or, or battle with more physical corners, but I think that comes back to – and again, Stroud has been exceptional, but – the, the Texans right now are second in the NFL in yards after the catch and yards after the catch per reception. They only trail the Miami Dolphins. What Bobby Slowick has done in getting players in space where they're moving when they catch the ball, and then it does come back to Stroud where he's not just accurate. He is throwing such pinpoint accurate throws that it, 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 it's boosting the yards after the catch for his playmakers 
um, yeah, they just they've just been really really good. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus, every Tuesday right here in the four o'clock hour here on the show. He's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So give me this: your expectation, and whether it's going to be Sunday, which I can't imagine, but maybe it is either Sunday or against Jacksonville or whenever the Jonathan Taylor return happens. What do you think he's going to be capable of adding to this Colts team? And, you know, can he get back to what we saw the year before last and being just that dominant runner? Do you think he still has that in him? Is that a re- is a high level of play a reasonable expectation given the fact he hadn't played in, in almost a year since last December? I think it is. I mean, look, maybe there's some rust in the first game back. Maybe, you know, you he's not as patient waiting for holes to develop as we've seen from him or things like that. But um, I, I have no qualms that after one or two games, he's going to look like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to be fully, fully healthy. He obviously, you know, has taken a lot of time to get all the way there. You know, the pup, the pup list was, was partially contract-related. Again, I'm sure he was actually injured. But, you know, maybe it was a two-week injury, and they went to a full four to let him get fully healthy. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's in a contract year. He's trying to earn a big contract elsewhere. As mad as he wants to be at the team, and and that's a whole separate conversation, he still wants to put good football on tape. So you're going to have, I think, Shane Steichen understanding the leverage that that Anthony Richen provides in in a rushing attack. We've talked about, you know, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, whatever. When you have a quarterback that, that requires the team to have a linebacker spy, a safety spy, they flow to his direction up front on the defensive line, it makes things so much easier for the running backs. I think Taylor is going to have massive production right away. I, Brad, I, I, as far as being able, being able to carve out a path to where he gets maybe not all that he wants, either here or someplace else, I mean, can he, in, in the market era in which we're in at that position right now, can he carve out his own reasonable path and how he's going to get paid again, whether it's here or someplace else? Is that possible, or is it going to be a foregone conclusion that he's, he's going to have to take what he can get and not throw a fit? You know, I think maybe the one path forward is, you know, if he does reach unrestricted free agency and is not franchise tagged, look, we know it's hard for the position to get paid, even for the, the, the top internal, you know, extension candidates himself, Pollard, Barkley, Jake, Jacobs, whatever. But we also know the nature of free agency at the end of the day is you get a couple bidders in place and then you can drive prices up because once that team is in on that deal and wants to sign that player, they're willing to bend a little bit. And, you know, like the expression is D-plus talent gets A-plus money or, or whatever, you know, kind of the old adage is. So I'm not even saying he's B-plus talent. He's probably A-talent. Um, you, you know, but that's the thing is the, the biggest hindrance on the market is that they're negotiating with one team that has the franchise tag at their disposal and can basically say – we can pay you year to year until you're 28 years old. And then, you know, you're Dalvin Cook, you go sign for one year and you're averaging two yards a carry in New York. Like that is the, the tough reality. If he can be a free agent at 25, yeah, he should be able to do decently well. So Brad Spielberger, pro football focus with us. All right, coming up on Sunday, Tennessee is in town, and they've had ownership of the Colts in recent history. The Colts have lost now seven consecutive at home, so it's certainly time to turn that around. And the way that it looks right now, maybe you can speak to this. It has been pretty good, certainly at home, 
for the Titans, not so good on the road. What have been some of the the biggest differences between this Titans team on the road and then playing back in Nashville, other than what we already know about that fact in general? Yeah, you know, I think really for them it's just been the specific matchups they've had in those games. I know you look at Cincinnati and think that the team, even with it, with a hobbled burrow, that could take advantage. But in reality, I think it's the exact opposite, where Tennessee is a top-five run defense in the NFL. They've been a top-five run defense in the NFL for the last, I don't know, five-plus years. They had allowed, allowed the most passing yards in the NFL last year. They allowed the second-most uh, completions on throws to 20-plus yards downfield. They are getting beat over the top consistently by pretty much every offense they play. Burrow is still so injured with that calf that he can't scramble at all. He can't operate outside of structure, and that's where he hits a lot of those deep shots. You then, of course, lose T. Higgins to an injury You know, in the first half of that game. So I think this is going to be an Alec Pierce game. I think it's going to be a big Michael Pittman game as well. Um, you know, Use Josh Downs' uh, verticality in the slot. That's how you beat them. You, you can't, you know, come in within yourself and say, oh, we're trying to stay ahead of the chains and, and get to third and manageable. No, take, take shots, try to be explosive in this offense, um, and, and I think you can pull it off because on the flip side, I mean, this, this Titans offensive line may be the worst unit in the NFL. They did play pretty well last week, but, I mean, Cleveland, they had 97 yards in the Cleveland game. Um, I, I think this defense for the Colts up front can cause a lot of problems for the Titans. Well, I was going to ask you that, too, regarding the line, because you kind of flipped a script 27-3 loss in Cleveland the week prior, and then, you know, Sunday they – win 27-3 over the Bengals. And it looked like, at least on paper, that they got Derrick Henry back going to where they, they hope Derrick Henry is going to be. Was that because of that offensive line? Was that your impression right there? Or was that more about the Bengals just looking so stinking lost right now? Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of it. I mean, Cincinnati does have a good front, but, it, I mean, the way Cleveland is playing right now is, you know, top five defensive line in the NFL type play. Um, Cincinnati, you know, this reworked secondary has been at times exploitable, and they are good players. And Zach Hill, their first-round pick last year, has made some plays in the backfield, has made some nice coverage plays, has really good recovery speed, uh, you know, when he plays back in the deep third at safety. But but I think you can pick on him a little bit. You know, the young corners out, out besides Shadobia Wouzier, who's coming off the torn ACL, um, you know, DJ Turner and, and, and Cam Taylor-Britt. Like, I think you can attack those guys a little bit as well. So, I think that's the big thing is just they were able to pick their spots. They moved the pocket a ton and were able to kind of get to the edge uh, against Cincinnati that they couldn't really do uh, against Cleveland. But, you know, I think with the rotation we see in Indianapolis for the dominance on the interior in particular, you know, that can maybe dominate this, this interior offensive line. I think that may even the bigger problem, the edge rushers. Um, and I think that's where you try to win this game. Uh, yeah, I don't think they've done much through the air so far. What's, What's been the stats for Tannehill? And, yeah, I mean, I, I know Hopkins, I think, led the team last week, but it wasn't uh, robust numbers whatsoever. Uh, what's What's been the threat through the air if they could find a threat through the air in these first four games? Sorry, for the Titans or for the Colts? For the Titans, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, their issue has been, look, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been 100%, but also, you know, he, he's a – guy that can't really create separation yeah. you know he is a contested catch guy and Tannehill I think is building faith in him more and more as time goes on but then I mean you know the first rounder for them last year Traylon Burks I think even when healthy might be behind Nick Westbrook Kine and Chris Moore in the pecking order in this offense which is 
you know, not a very good sign. I mean, those are replacement level wide receivers with all due respect. So uh, it, it's really not there. It's a ton of play action and Tannehill's good throwing on the move in a, in a clean pocket. He'll stand in, take hits and, and find plays. But if they don't get yards after the catch and make players miss in space, they, they really don't have much there. You know, a good one-two punch with Henry and Tajay Spears. But, you know, this passing attack, you know, week to week, it could have, you know, 50 yards or, or 300. Um, but, but there are games where they're going to struggle to do much at all through the air. Hey, Brad, I'm assuming this is some sort of analytics record. So you put up 70 and beat the Broncos the week prior. You give up 48 and lose on the road to the Bills this past Sunday. Is that some sort of analytics record with the Dolphins? It probably is. I mean, the 70 points is the most offensive points scored in a game in NFL history. I know some teams had more total points, but that included defense and special teams. So that already was a, a one-of-one record, and then you turn around and get a, you know, a near – Give up 48. I wish they'd have given up 50. That would have made, made it better to talk about, I think, if they would have given up 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're probably right either way. I, I would imagine that, that that is probably a record. All right, the Colts are going to see the Browns later on this season, too. No Deshaun Watson. We found that out right before game time, and the Ravens rolled over Cleveland. What's their injury situation across the board with Watson, a quarterback, and, you know, Miles Garrett's been dinged up as well. Uh, we know about the Nick Chubb situation. What, what is their landscape looking like in terms of injuries in Cleveland? Yeah, so you know, all the guys you just mentioned, you know, a couple of nicks and bruises here and there in the secondary for them as well. I think the issue for them, really, I mean, look, you lose right tackle Jack Conklin. That is a very, very big loss. They do like their rookie in DeWan Jones, but he's ignoring injuries. I mean, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, their guards, have been, you know, it's been them and Quentin Nelson, frankly, have been competing, you know, and Zach Martin in Dallas maybe, competing for the highest-graded guard the last, like, five-plus years um, in the NFL as well. And neither guy has played all that well. Ethan Poaches, the center, is taking a ton of penalties. Um, has just not been as good in the run game as he was last year. A lot of reaching, a lot of grabbing jerseys, and it's, get, it's putting them back into, you know, first and 20s. And this offense right now is not going to convert, you know, that long of series. So the offensive line just needs to play better. You know, they have, they have a former top 10 pick in Jedrick Wills at left tackle, uh, you know, had his fifth-year option picked up, and, and his top five for us in pressures allowed, has not played good football. So I, it's one of those uh, – this is how I always spoke about Indianapolis coming into this season – I'm not even sure it's so much like adding external talent or or getting healthier. Sure, it's a part of it. It's also guys that you have that are good football players just playing, you know, at, at a higher level. How screwed are the Giants right now with Daniel Jones? It's as ugly as it could possibly be. And, and look, Jones was under pressure on around 50% of dropbacks last night. He's been at that level pretty much the entire season, which is completely, completely unsustainable. But he's also holding onto the ball way too long. Um, you know, he, he's running into pressure. He, I get why you leave clean pockets when you think you're going to get sacked on every single drop back, but he did bail on a couple of clean pockets last night. He had Wanda Robinson wide open uh, up the right seam on a play um, and, and was rolling out. I think took his eyes down and could have had a 60-yard gain, which would have been, I don't know, half their offense on the night if, if he connected on that pass. So the offensive line is terrible. There's no question about it, but, but they have just not schemed around it at all. Um, you know, a lot of static routes. Everyone's catching the ball, coming back to the football. You know, the few times where Wanda Robinson or Jalen Hyatt caught the ball with a head of steam going forward were the few successful plays they had. But, but yeah, his vision is off. He, he's slow through his progressions. Yes, he's a good athlete, but I mean, this offense might be the worst in the NFL for the first four weeks. It's a Brad Spielberger, a PFF on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We've talked about Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. What's been your first four weeks of the season impression on Bryce Young in Carolina? 
Yeah, so look, he himself has had issues, but you throw on their tape. I mean, they, their receivers are getting zero separation, um, and their offensive line also is, is top five for us in pressure rate allowed. Uh, I mean, he's getting hit. Uh, even when he does complete passes, he's getting hit every single time. Um, but look, it's been not that great, though. Even, even when he has had a clean pocket, I think he now is not trusting his eyes. I think, look, as bad as the receiving core is, I think it might be the worst in the NFL – he, he does have a little bit of, you know, waiting for guys to be college open. You know, Jamison Williams at Alabama open. Uh, and, and guys don't get Jamison Williams at Alabama open in the NFL. So I think a little bit more trust and uncorking the ball early, you know, trusting that DJ Chark or Adam Thielen are going to win some of those contested catches. But, but like I said, you, you watch the film and, and there's no guy with any separation whatsoever. Um, it, it's just been not a lot of easy routes for him, not a lot of scheming things up and getting him, you know, play action, quick things, quick throws to the flat and screens to Jonathan Mingo, who was dominant on short area stuff in college at Ole Miss. It's just nothing is going well for that offense uh, in Carolina. Well, and let's look at the Raiders, too. Of local interest, Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue has worked his way up from a walk-on to starting an NFL game. And it probably did go through a little bit of a Khalil Mack nightmare, um, certainly um, over the weekend in that loss to the Chargers. I, I'm curious, what did he look like to you? And I've had a lot of people, and I don't know if it's just Purdue fans stay, saying this for the sake of Aiden O'Connell, but a lot of people were suggesting the offensive game plan was absolutely whack. How did you look at his first start in the NFL for the Raiders in that loss Sunday? Yeah, I mean, look, he was, our, I think, our highest-graded quarterback in the entire preseason. I mean, he was first, then Kenny Pickett was second, so it probably tells you how much signal we, we should be taking from that. But nevertheless, like, he looked really, really good in the preseason. I thought he was decisive. He got the ball out quickly. In this game, I mean, look, the game plan probably was not great. I have not watched the All-22 yet, but I remember watching the broadcast, and he's holding on to the ball forever. Um, uh, uh, some of those, you know, of those seven sacks, I think three or four, as I'm watching in real time, I'm like, that's as much his fault as it is the offensive line. I mean, look, Khalil Mack did burn uh, Jermaine Illuminor around the edge a couple times, but, but I think three of his six sacks I would define as cleanup sacks where, you know, he, he was pushed around the end, the ball should have been out, and, and, and you know, Khalil Mack is 12, 13 yards behind the play, turns back around and runs and hits Aiden O'Connell in the back. Like, that's – you can't really blame the offensive line for all of those sacks and pressures. So, he'll get better. It's his first start, but – you know, I, it was, you know, look, Tim Howell's done it. Uh, you know, J- Justin Fields is still doing it. Like, young quarterbacks do it all the time. He just got to get, get rid of that ball sooner. What are you writing about out of Brooklyn, New York this week, Brad? Yeah. Yeah, I just released an article this morning uh, for Bears fans, I suppose, uh, how to fix Chicago and what to do going forward for them. Uh, always covering gambling and everything else throughout the entire weekend. So, yeah, check it all out at PFF.com. What's the big gambling story this weekend? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> you weren't prepared for it, my bad. I'm sorry. No, all good, all good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a weird slate. I, you know, I think the, the big story for me might be some of the movement we've seen, and now Vegas, I think, is adjusting their priors from preseason. So just one example for me, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, they are a field goal underdog to Detroit and a field goal underdog to the Jacksonville Jaguars. In both of those games, I said – I'm not sure what Vegas is watching. This team is way worse than a field goal, um, you know, compared to two teams that probably should be in the playoffs. They're now home underdogs against the Houston Texans. So I think you're going to start to see the, 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 game, the sports books tend to kind of hold off a little bit, don't overreact to the first couple of weeks. But now I think you see the pendulum swing, and you're going to see how they value, you know, some teams going forward. Is Vegas readjusted anything year-long-wise in terms of the Colts and how they played so far? 
Absolutely. I think being a favorite, you know, at opening against the Rams was a big deal. Again, the Rams were not seen to be a great team coming into the year. And yes, they were coming off a poor game against the Cincinnati Bengals, but their offense was efficient and looked good against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, They they were dominant against the Seattle Seahawks, who got off to a slow start, but obviously, you know, had 11 sacks last night. So it's a pretty good defense, or it should be going forward. And so I think Indy being a favorite there already was them, you know, kind of adjusting and saying, hey, this team is not as bad as maybe we thought. Um, I, I think there was that was a notable spread to me. All right, Brett, I appreciate it as always. You have a great week, and we'll check in again next Tuesday. Thank you, brother. Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you. It's uh, Brett Spielberger, Pro Football Focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I, I guess I'm following it now. I don't know. It just kind of ends up here on my timeline. Anybody else follow the Montreal Expos? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and there has been rumored chatter that Tom Brady would like to invest in bringing baseball back to Montreal. I do miss it. The logo, the uniform, and, and listen, it is a struggle to ever recapture what was once great. Sometimes you can, but it seems like it's futile. Look at all these these remakes. Like I was going uh, searching on TV the other night, and I, I came across Poltergeist. And I go, hey, yeah, Craig T. Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams going to be you know smoking a little pot in bed, and all of a sudden, you know, what's happening? They're here. Going to start freaking out, and it was a reboot. I don't want to watch the reboot. I was searching around. Hey, there's Footloose. Kevin Bacon. He's going to, you know, work off his troubles while uh, dancing around in what he thought was a vacant warehouse and doing gymnastics and dancing and stuff and drinking a beer and smoking cigarettes. Um, and then I turned it on. Oh, it was a reboot. Sometimes the, the reboots, especially with movies in mind, don't work at all. The Montreal Expos will go down in history as one of the greatest logos. And though they they never won anything substantial, some of the best talent we had seen over a couple of different decades. Actually, you can go back to three if you can one. You go back to the 70s with Dawson and Cromarty. You know, and, and, and Tim Raines got his start there. Tim Wallach was there. I'm going to miss a ton of guys right now. Ellis Valentine, if you want to go back to the 70s. Steve Rogers as a pitcher. Jeff Reardon was there as one of the Terminators back then as a closer. And then obviously with the the Indianapolis Indians era and so many incredible players came out of that Expos organization. I can't lie. I think it'd be great if they reemerged. I just don't know if we're ever ever going to witness what it once was and if it's going to feel like it once did. When they were, you know, pumping out guys like Larry Walker, for example. I think about McCree's Deli in Bloomington. McCree's Deli was a great spot, James. I mean, a great spot. When it was over by Hills, the Jackson Creek Shopping Center, and then they tried to reboot that. I think it lasted maybe two months. Done. Was not the same. Sometimes you just simply can't recapture it. I'd say the same thing regarding the Seattle Supersonics. Love to see them back. Love to have the logo back. Love to have the city back. But can you recapture?
Worth wondering. Quick break. We'll come back. Scoreboard update regarding these American League wild card matchups in game number one. One's underway. One's about set to get underway. We'll get you updated. Bob Kravitz, top of the hour. Bullseye Event Center Pass is also coming up too. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, Rake Straw Spielberger. A little bit earlier, podcast with each 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live brought to you by Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses. The spreadability inside the lounge via YouTube Live, as you may have noticed if you've ever been in there, is endless. And so are the possibilities with Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses. Original cheddar, sharp cheddar, bacon and cheddar, and uh, pepper jack located. And by the way, too, there's like, um, there's a gold mine of it. And and Glenn just sent me this at the Kroger on Southport Road. Now, granted, you may have to walk over there because the parking lot is only big enough to fit in like three mopeds. But they have a ton of it over there. Ample in all flavors. So go grab you some, too. And for recipes, log on, winshulers.com. I saw this note. We were talking to Greg a little bit earlier about the the resurrection of the IU-Kentucky basketball series. This is a tweet from Rick Bozich. To any IU basketball fan complaining, what? IU fans don't complain. When's the last time an IU fan complained? To any IU basketball fans complaining about the location for the four UK IU basketball games, IU Athletic Director Scott Dolson told me that the 2026-27 game, I'm going to have to start doing some math. How old am I going to be during this? That game at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy will be an Indiana home game with the Hoosiers controlling the majority of the 43,000 tickets. That is uh, from Bozich a little bit earlier today. Uh, JMV, reboots don't really work, but aren't you trying to reboot Rex? No, 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 no. I'm not trying to reboot it. I'm trying to bring it back here. It still exists. Like the Montreal Expos, they don't exist. I'm trying to bring it back here. It's there. And I'm I'm on target. You tell me a reboot of a film that is worth a crap. There is not one, is there? They just screw it all up. They did it with Shaft. They've done it with Poltergeist, with Footloose. Jacking around and doing it again. They haven't done it with Teen Wolf. If they do it with Teen Wolf, then I'm just done. You can't screw that up. But no, the racks still exist. Uh, my friend, the the Romies, the Romanex, uh, bring me the, I have to say it in full terms here, the beef, bacon, and cheddar whenever they come back from West Virginia. 
I thank them for that. No, don't even ask. Don't even ask. There's a reason why I have to, because there's jackassery on the internet that I have to deal with. <laughs> no idea. Hey, JMV, Gary Carter was an expo. He, indeed, he was. Pete Rose, yeah, that hurts my feelings right there. The fact that Pete Rose was an expo and a Philly. Tony Perez, yes, there's another one. Don't remind me of that crap. Yeah, don't remind me. The Joe Morgan, when they tore apart the big red machine and then went all these other places and won. That was fantastic. Great. I mean, what was I like at the time? Eight, nine years old? I still noticed that. I think I saw this from Alex Golden, right? So training camp day one starters for the Pacers. And we'll see what this means further down the road. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Bruce Brown, Benedict Matherin, Obi Toppin, and 33. All in there. And that's day one starters. Thank you, Alex, for that. Uh, JMV, hopefully my wife doesn't start craving it. Come on now. Don't get me in trouble. Kenny's at 239-1070. Kenny, I'm going to go ahead and go to you. Apologize for your weight. Nah, it's all good, brother. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say thank thank to you. Uh, thank you and your whole program for the positivity on the Colts this year. It's awesome. And I just wanted to ask your opinion. Yeah, hold on hold on one second, Kenny. Finish. I just drank a hair. Hold on a minute. All right. Oh, darn. All right. Up, I'm good bro. now. I'm good. I'm better now. Right <laughs> that was close. I have to tell you exactly what goes on in here. I just don't feel like I'm doing my job on this program. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kenny. Um, do you see the future when you look at O. Richardson play? Can you see it? Um, I do. I, I do. And it, it is going to be up and down. That's exactly the way that it was. It was very down in the first half. And you can either make excuses. It's really how you view it. You can make excuses for it or you can just tell it like it is. And it's going to be up and down. But I, I love the way he handled things and handled things late. I wanted the result that everybody else wanted. But watching him work his team back in the fashion in which he did and make plays with the arm and with the feet, and we can make an argument, too, and whether or not you believe that it was a Granson drop or Lake indeed got his hand in there, that's fine. But that was a tremendous throw. He, um, he, I, The accuracy thing, I don't know if it's ever going to be – to everybody's liking, hopefully that it is. But he showed me a lot late in that game, and I think a lot of Colts fans also saw that. And that that's worthy of being excited about. And maybe that will, maybe that'll cushion the times in which it looked like it did in the first half when everybody wanted to take a nap. That's right. All right. Well, thank you, JMB. Have a blessed day, brother. Kenny, thank you very much for calling. Very nice of Kenny to say. Very nice. Yeah, and maybe that will. Is that second half going to be enough for you? Uh, the cushion, the cushion, the blow of like the first half was just terrible. You needed to take a nap during the first half. That was how bad that was. Hey, JMV, does that mean that Buddy Heald, Jalen Smith, Nimhard, and Walker come off the bench? That's the way it looks right now. And again, we're talking about day one training camp practice for the Pacers. I am very excited. 
It's from Robert. Hearing you talk about the old Expos like Rock Reigns took me back. Did old Razor Shines ever get the call by Montreal? He did make it up there. I want to say a couple of different times. Maybe not for a substantial amount of time, but he did get up there. Uh, Razor Shines has been on this show before. I'm telling you, the talent. I mean, I, I haven't even talked about Delano DeShields and Marquise Grissom. You know, I mentioned Larry Walker, but some of the talent that came through Indianapolis back then, Bush Stadium, was incredible through the Expos, plus their logo. Outside of the Reds, the first plastic helmet with no ear flaps that I tried to win at the carnival and then ultimately did not and then won, I checked that, and then bought it at a Reds game in Cincinnati when I was eight years old was the Montreal Expos. It was beautiful. Considered myself Andre Dawson back then, but they were a fun team to watch and just they could scout like crazy. They just never had enough money to spend. They went at it one time. I can't remember what year it was. I want to say maybe 80, 87 or 88. Remember, they traded to Seattle Randy Johnson and Brian Holman. I think three in all, but certainly Randy Johnson was the centerpiece of that. They traded in a rental situation for Mariners left-hander Mark Langston, and that did not work out. My recollection, that is maybe the only time they ever went for it in a rental player capacity like that, and it crept out on a big time. Mark Langston. Uh, Matt's up next at 239-1070. Matt, welcome to the show. Shambi, how are you, brother? Matt, I'm fantastic. Go ahead. Good deal. Hey, I the the great big takeaway I had from the game Sunday with with Richardson wasn't so much that he did anything different. Um, they just called NFL level plays. Uh, the first few games, like in the first half, for instance, he had eight runs and seven passes, and Moss had four runs. Now, if you're running your quarterback more than your you know designed runs, if you're running him more than you're having him throw the ball and all of his passes are three yards, that's not NFL football to me. That's him doubling down on an awful college career. When they finally started to look downfield, even though I, I'm totally in agreement with you that we don't have maybe the best wide receivers to do that, I mean, he's not going to learn to throw the ball downfield if all he's doing is running. And yeah, I, I really thought. I, I just thought. I thought that that was Steichen. I, I just that that was Steichen's oh, play calling to to get him into. I agree. It it didn't work, and it was boring. I, I couldn't tell if that was to get him again acclimated to to what he had missed the week prior, uh, coming back from concussion or or what. But yeah, yeah, it didn't lead to much. I will agree with you on that. Well, and that was the other thing. You're coming off of a concussion. You've been injured in both of the games you play, and you run him eight times in the first half? I mean, it's just, it's asinine. It was almost like, hey, I told you we're not going to shy away from utilizing this guy as to the reason, one of the reasons why we drafted him, and I'm going to show you right here. It felt that way to me. And it probably certainly was more than that by design, but that's how it felt. I loved the fact that, and, and people are like, oh, they threw the ball because they had to in the second half. Moss had 14 carries in the second half, so they didn't stop running. They just started running the running back and having the quarterback throw the ball like an NFL team does versus a you know wishy-washy college team that doesn't have a quarterback. Here's I the guess. other argument we can make, 
and it's legitimate too, that once once Stafford got injured, I, I thought that Sean McVay protected him to keep him out there, and I, I thought that they took their foot off the gas a great deal late in that game. That. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. And I, but I mean, I, I seriously, I just go back. If if they want Richardson to develop, and we all want that, and he's got a ton of physical, God given ability, but he needs to learn to throw the ball better. So how about we throw the ball and have him learn on the job? Because him running the ball over and over again is never going to develop his passing game. I, I would rather watch him throw six interceptions in a game than run the ball 14 times because that is never going to win at the NFL level. I think one of these days they just hope to have a, a delicate balance of that and trying to work him in to what he is best suited for right now to feel comfortable. And I, I just I, I think that they that's what they try. That's, that's Again, that's what they're ultimately going to want. Certainly more of a passing presence. I think right now they're just trying to, to delicately balance that and get him acclimated and feeling comfortable in what he does. Just a thought. And it, yeah, and his one run was a touchdown. I mean, if you – if you save his runs for second and goal, that's great. But if you're going to be running him on first and 10 at your own 30, I just think you're looking to get him killed. Yeah, well, and, and, and Matt, get ready for it. I've said this all along. They're going to do that and continue to do that. So I, yeah. I hope they, I hope buckle they up, Matt. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Yeah, JMV, I've heard you complain before about the train across the track at Bluff Road when you're on your way to the south side going home after the work. Um, I also have to deal with that. I just noticed that myself. Yeah, I can't do anything about it, but the Indiana Railroad Company does that, I guess. But they'll park, and it's almost every time I go down there, I go, ah, hell, <laughs> here it is. There it is. So, yes, I'm glad that you've noticed. It just seems more prominent now than it ever has been. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad luck, which could be the case. Bob Kravitz, top of the hour. Break right here. 239-1070, the number. Stefan and JJ and Muncie on the other side. Tuesday edition of the show is on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, this reminder, Christopher Cross, Brown County Music Center on Friday night. Check that. I'm sorry. Saturday night. Saturday night. That's the 7th, right? Saturday? Christopher Cross and Ride Like the Wind. That'd be a good show down there. You got to tell me how it is. The JMV Takeover will be uh, reflecting on that, I'm sure, with the All Request show and some Christopher Cross. Brown County Music Center, get your tickets now. Brown County Music Center, Saturday for Christopher Cross down in Nashville. All right, 239-1070 is the number to call. If you want to go to the Bullseye Event Center with bullseyeeventgroup.com at the Colts VIP tailgate. Presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. All you can eat, all you can drink. The party's on before the game is underway. Doors open at 10 a.m. Bullseye Event Center, 239-1070. Number nine right now is the winner. Um, somebody had just mentioned that I was on drugs for suggesting the Pacers win 45. 
Now, I am on drugs right now, but that's not the reason why I mentioned the Pacers win 45 this year. I have gone the 10-up method. 10-up from 25 a year ago was 35. 10-up from 35 this past year will be 45. Am I on drugs, which really is a great segment title. Colts, by the way, have a must-win situation on Sunday against the Titans. Am I on drugs? <laughs> you know what? We're going to have to utilize that. Anybody? You got Eli Lilly or somebody want to advertise with that? <laughs> Am I on drugs? 45 for the Pacers. We'll ask Bob Kravitz that and more coming up on the other side. Somebody's going to go to Bullseye 2. More coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Do not go away. 93.5-107-5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We got AL wildcard playoff baseball updates. End of six Rangers for Rays zero from St. Petersburg. Bottom of the first inning, Twins plate a couple. Lead the Blue Jays 2-0. Those are L-A-L, I should say. Uh, game one, best of three wildcard games. Diamondbacks Brewers tonight on the NL at 7. The Marlins and Phillies, the nightcap of the four-game schedule today. That game one from Philadelphia is tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, Bullseye Event Center, as I mentioned. Uh, JMV, on the subject of remakes, how do you feel about the longest yard? I love Adam Sandler, but that sucks really bad. I love Burt Reynolds, even though he's dead, but it sucks really bad. What about the Bad News Bears? That's Billy Bob Thornton. I wouldn't watch one second of it. I love Billy Bob Thornton, but it's not Walter Matthau now, is it? And I struggle with watching breaking training with William Devane in his army jacket. And Kelly Leak, his son, looking older than his dad. And then I'm not watching Tony Curtis in Bad News Bears go to Japan. But the original, it has its place in this world, as it should. All right, 45 too many. We'll get to that right now. And obviously, Colts conversation. Bob Kravitz, who joins us, the columnist, friend of the show. And in case you did not know, loves Frenchie's Pub in Morgantown, Indiana. Hello, Bob. <laughs> Uh, are they are they still waiting for us to come back? They do want us to come back. They love us. They loved you. Yeah. They loved I, you. You may have been a little bit mortified at the beginning, but they loved you nonetheless. No, I was mortified pretty much the entire time we were there. <laughs> I, I thought I thought I thought terrible things were going to happen. And, oh, not uh, on my watch, brother. Come on now. Oh man, your your people, baby. I love them. I I, yeah, I told them too. Guys. They're I've, really good guys. I've got to do a uh, a tavern tour stop down there sometime. So oh, that would be that would be out of control. Yeah, I'd probably have to sleep in the car for that one, but that'd be all right. Even though I'm not too far away. Uh, musings the of an old of, what's that? Yeah, go ahead. I'm playing. Musings of an old sports writer, Bob <laughs> Kravitz. You can find him on Substack.com/slash at Bob Kravitz. Now, honestly, that was a great night we had nearly two fun. weeks ago down there. So I'm glad you went. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for getting the tickets. Uh, I never thought that I would see uh, the psychedelic furs in this lifetime, but now I can say that I have. And, no. and Squeeze, Squeeze was terrific. I'm telling you. And I, I just like sitting back in those easy chairs and kind of chilling. Oh, that was the best yeah. part. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I bring you another beer? Yeah. <laughs> Christian Webb, shout out at the Brown County Music yeah, Center. So that absolutely. was a good time. Christopher Cross, by the way, on Saturday down there, which would be uh, equally a good time. So um, somebody had asked me if I'm on drugs, and it, I said, well, it depends on what day you're talking about. But right. um, I have said 45 wins for this Pacer team. That's where I'm going to set Ooh. my over-under. Is that too robust? Yeah, it's a little robust for my for my taste. Okay. Uh, I, think, I, I think they're going to be right around 500. You know, I, I think I, I think a, a four or five. What did they have last year? Thirty-seven. Thirty-five. They're so thirty-five. So I think you know a five-six win improvement. You know, if they can just you know, right in last year they were uh, next to last uh, in points per game allowed, one hundred nineteen and a half. If they can just be somewhere in in the teens or you know the top twenty somewhere they can do some pretty significant things. But, yeah, 45, a 10-game improvement seems a little robust to me. I would th- what is the over-under on in Vegas? Do you well, have check to- that out, James, really quick while I talk, and I'll give you my theory on it. It's because you okay. go back two years ago, and they won 25, and then hit that up by 10 in a season in which many had written off before it started last year, winning 35. And I just think right. the logical next step to take is another 10 to 45, which you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't put them to me in the top four in the East whatsoever, but no. it, it makes them a very competitive team throughout. James, have you looked that up? What is the over-under on the Pacers? Give me one second. Win total. James is still still uh, looking that up. Now, while he looks that up, I want you to answer this. Of those new Pacers, as far as either the starting lineup or the bench is concerned, who most excites you? Again, that new, fresh OB player Toppin. in. Why is OB that? Obi Toppin, uh, just because he's exciting. I mean, he he's a high flyer. He, he, he plays you know way above the rim. He's above the backboard, for God's sake. Um, I just think he's a guy a little bit like some of the players they brought in here before who were pretty good players who didn't get a lot of opportunities and then come to Indiana and suddenly find themselves in the starting lineup and getting significant minutes. So I think, look, I think Bruce Brown's going to be terrific. But just uh, for entertainment's value, I can't wait to see Obi Toppin. And you're talking about Toppin, Halliburton, and Bruce Brown being three of the best players in transition in the NBA. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a team that's going to score and score like crazy. They've just got to be better defensively, and they've got to be better on the on the boards. Yes, yeah, so Bob Kravitz with us. All right, James, what do you say? Uh, I'm seeing 38.5. Oh, my. I'm oh, really I'll off take, the pace then. I'll, I'll, I'll take the over on that. I, I think – I think they're about a 500 team, a little bit better maybe. Um, I think, you know, either they make the they squeeze in the playoffs or they get into a play-in game or, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is a really intriguing team. I think Matherin's going to take a step uh, as a two-way player. I see no reason why your your guy Miles can't continue 
to to produce the way he did last year. Uh, Halliburton is Halliburton. I mean, he's just you know he's the face of the franchise, and I like their bench too. I, I like I like the the defensive you know uh, edge that 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 group has with Neesmith and with Andrew Nemhard, assuming they do come off the bench, and that would be my my safe assumption at this point. Yeah, I believe in training camp, the the first day of training camp, the starting lineup was Halliburton, Brown, Toppin, Matherin, and Miles, which right. would lead Heald and Walker and Nimhard and all that you also mentioned coming off the right. bench. Jalen yeah. Smith. The, the, yeah, the Heald situation is really interesting, but, you know, it's funny – it's kind it's kind of an anti uh Jonathan Taylor situation in the sense that um you know there's there's no bad feelings excuse my voice there's no bad feelings um you you don't worry about healed acting up or acting out while you know this contract is trying to while they're trying to hammer out this contract so um i i think uh you know for as long as they keep buddy healed great I mean, he is a, an awesome teammate. He's durable. He's productive. He's everything you want. And I think he's willing to come off the bench. I don't blame him for wanting one last big payday at the age of uh, 30 or 31. So I don't blame him, blame him at all. But I also don't blame the Pacers because they're still a couple of years away. And if they can get uh, some, some you know, future uh, assets, that's fine. I, I would prefer to see them keep them. Honestly, me too. Uh, me too. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, uh, you know, people say, well, he's thirty and all that, but he's a shooter, and shooters don't decline the way other guys do. I mean, if you can shoot, you can shoot till you're, you know, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Damn so, right, you can. Yeah, and you know, look at you. Yes. I mean, you're you're a hundred freaking years old. Hundred years still, old. I'm approaching that right now. Yeah, you're still lighting it up. So, no, I'd like to see them keep him, but I understand why they probably won't. I, my point was this, and I agree exactly, Bob, with what you said uh, about Buddy Heald and wanting to keep him around here. But my, my point was as well, you mentioned the defense. And while it has to be better, you would expect it because that's got to be a focus to get better. I think what happens is if you take his threat away, his shooting away at an elite level, his makeability away and his threat away, then I think you take away some other points per game. And I, I don't think they're going to be able to make that being taken away up on the defensive end. Thus, I just think that that would be a bad decision all the way around. And I agree with you. I, I, I think he's somebody that should be a part of this organization for the foreseeable future because he has, he has to me, uh, something that is at the top of the list of values in this era of the NBA. And he's not just a three-point shooter. He's a three-point elite-level maker. And he has defenses scramble, rotationally speaking, when he's on the floor, regardless of what he is doing. That is huge in winning basketball games and something I would not want to see the paces relax and let go no I, I wouldn't either and and you know look i i understand you know that the the contract negotiations are as chad buchanan said the other day at a halt um you know but i, I think buddy healed as a sixth man would be a really intriguing uh spot for him you know he he played there uh toward the end of last season when, when it was kind of a lost cause they put Matherin in, I think, the last 10, 11 games. 
as a starter. But uh, I think Buddy Heald as kind of a designated shooter coming off the bench would be dynamite. So I'd love to see that. You know, if they can't keep my understand because, you know, there's only so much you want to pay this guy at, at this point in his career and at the point this point in the development of the Indiana Pacers. So Bob Kravitz again joining us. Substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz. I know you get a run here in about 10 minutes or so, but I wanted to dive into the Colts on Sunday. But first, the return of Jonathan Taylor. How do you think this is all going to look? I've kind of, at least in my vision, storybooked this up, and I've whined and cried about the potential that he would give this team and the growth of of Anthony Richardson as a 21-year-old quarterback. I've made it such to where that's what I really do hope to see. With him coming back and producing at a high level, which many also expect, is that too storybook for this situation? Well, I, you know, let's, let's see what happens when he gets activated. Uh, I'm not all Pollyanna on this just yet. I don't feel like I have as good a, a hold of this or a good a sense of this as I thought I did. Uh, but uh, it's, he, he, excuse my voice. I just keep losing my voice. He, he, he needs to come back and, and show, show them something. I'll tell you what. My voice is going. Can we can we you, do this? In you, need, you need to bail. Are you all right? Yeah, I need to bail. My voice is just uh, <laughs> going in and out. It's the weirdest thing. All right, all right then. We'll, 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 we'll keep trying. You got we'll it, buddy. No, 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 no. I'll go ahead and let you go. Yeah, rest that bad right. boy. It's okay. Right. We can come back Sounds, and do it some other time. It's, a bo- right, it's a Bob Laryngitis Kravitz with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. You can find Bob and his laryngitis at substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz. He sounded like, and I'm not sure, is how old's Bob? Was he going through puberty? Oh, he might have been. That's what Peter Brady sounded like when he was going through puberty. I think he's too old to go through puberty, though. Might be just a couple of years too old. Substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz. We will uh, get Bob back on here at some other time. That did sound a little bit rough there toward the end. Thank you. Uh, JMV, you're absolutely on drugs. There's no way this team wins 45. Yeah, maybe I set myself up for a significant failure right here. Say 38? I, I, to me, I think the over is easy to take for the season. But yeah, maybe I did go 10, 10. You go 10, 10, and 10. Actually, just 10 and 10. That's what I'm thinking right here. All right, 239, 1070. Bob's laryngitis exit means we've got time for you. Inside the Windschuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge, YouTube Live, if you want to go there. 239-1070 is the number. JJ's been on hold in Muncie, Indiana. Hello, JJ. Hey, what's going on there, JMV? You doing all right? JJ, I could not be better. I appreciate you caring. What's up? Daymar, Daymar, Daymar. We need to find another one, man. We need to find another one. I heard you say Jack Essery yes. one time tonight. I did. So I'm going to catch that. We need to f- figure out another word. But let me work on that. But um, <laughs> I got four quick things, man. I'm going to get you on that, by the way. You, go- you beat me four times already. Well, no, no, wait a minute. Re- refresh my memory on that, JJ. I beat you on what here? 
The Damar donations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I think about uh, Collinsworth and the gang at Damar over there. So I'm always I'm always helping whenever I can, totally. whenever they need me. Totally agree. That's a great Especially if I need great. to go up there and do some more comedy because, you know, that was fantastic. Even though everybody, everybody else went in front of me and they had, like, I'll give you a great example. They had, hey, be up there for like eight minutes and be off. And then uh, uh, the what's his name uh, Leonard Ball no Leonard Leonard Hoops Leonard Hoops went for like twenty five minutes, and um, and Hagen went for like fifteen minutes. Like everybody in front of me went really long, and I had like five minutes, so I just went out there and and just cussed a bunch, and then got off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you did that all without taking before you went. Out. <laughs> I did that very well. <laughs> well. So, yeah. Really quick, I, I, I'm going to catch you on that. I'm going to catch you on one of your outings when you get to one of these uh, places here. Yes, I, I work on the southwest side of Indy, so I, I will I, I will be seeing you soon. I ref high school basketball. I'm going to catch you before the basketball season starts. So you got it, buddy. Hey, uh, my my Cubs are not totally out of it yet, so let's give them props. But we need to give props to the Indianapolis Colts offensive line. I think. They did a great job. I can't remember the name of the guy that actually held his ground. Uh, he was in for – it wasn't Kelly, or, or or was it uh, – Are you talking at center, or are you talking at – no, Wesley French played center. French, French. Okay, Wesley yes. French. Yes, Wesley French. I heard his name a few times, and I thought he did a good job. I thought the line really held up very strong, but also – I think there was some type of transformation with Richardson where he was releasing the ball. It was kind of like a Richardson, uh, even a, a I, quarterback. I'll be honest with you, JJ. Yeah. I think that group still having nightmares right now over having to face Aaron Donald wherever he was on the field. There's no doubt that the rookie Freeland's having nightmares over that because every time he lined up over the left tackle, it was it was a bad experience for the rookie, no question. Well, hands down, I think – we still need to give props because they, they did help hold their own a little bit. Uh, who can stop Donald? But that that was my thing right there. And uh, let's not count out the uh, Cubs. And I actually agree with you. I, I'm going with the over on the paces, man. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, JJ, you I'll see you very again soon. And, and hopefully I'll be mopping up duty there at Damar. A little comedy extravaganza. Yeah, Leonard Hoops guy. Seems like a nice guy. He went for like 25 minutes. Got up there and thought he was George Carlin. <laughs> hey, hey, Carlin, settle down here a little bit. I'm just joking. I only appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't break it to him about the Cubs. Didn't break it to him. Two zip twins over the Blue Jays, middle of the second inning. Rangers up four nothing, top of the eighth inning. Man, nothing for the Rays on the board. That's a home game, by the way. And remember, these wild card rounds are best of three. So that is problematic. Diamondbacks, Brewers, Marlins, Phil. You know, it is funny. He mentioned the Cubs, and you know I'm a Reds fan. And while I think it's funny that the Cubs didn't make it. Uh, it's not funny that the Reds didn't make it. But full disclosure, I would rather be watching the Cubs like rooting against them right now and them being there than not. Does that make sense? Does that make you guys feel better for me 
and your your favorite baseball team? Because you'd be doing the same thing if the Reds were in there. I just, I, I look at it and I don't have any deeply rooted interest to watch the Diamondbacks. The Brewers won 92 games and I think they're boring as hell. Sorry, Yanny. Zero interest in the Marlins. I should. No interest in the Phillies. Like the AL does interest me a little bit, but I just look at the NL wild cards and I'm going, yeah. Bummer. You know, it's funny. You look back at the red season and I think during their downfall, one of those big moments is when the Diamondbacks got at them. I want to say, was that in, in Phoenix when the Diamondbacks got them pretty good? When they were spiraling out of control? <laughs> hey, JMV, I just wanted to thank you for being a man of the people. Every time I see you out in public, whether it's one of your events or just walking at Lucas Oil Stadium at 9 a.m., you always have time to say hello. I love talking to everybody, man. I love it. More the merrier for me. I've always had that, too. It's like a par- when I throw a party, I always I just bring everybody in. Now, now, the dudes at my parties had to pay, and the chicks got in for free. I thought everybody did that, right? Did you have parties? Did you have to make the dudes pay? And somebody had to pay for the kegs. When I had parties at Indiana State, mm. and like, like all the nerds over there and all their frat houses and stuff, the dorks, you know, they had their parties, and they all knew that they couldn't compete with you know the independent guys' parties over there, and they all end up trying to go in too. And I charged the dudes uh, five, ten dollars a head for the dudes, and the ladies get in free. There you go. Somebody's got to pay for that beer. Thank you, Nick. It's always great seeing you out. Uh, Justin's at 239-1070. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Good. I uh, Now that you mentioned that, I did the exact same thing in college. and uh, I've tried to holler you at Touchdown Town a few times, but I'm not famous enough to get on air. But um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, I asked uh, Kevin this um, on Twitter, and yep. he actually uh, asked it this morning. On JT coming back, hypothetically, if he came back this weekend and they announce him, you know, with the offense or, or what have you, do you think the crowd's going to cheer or boo or how do you think that would go? Um, I think that it's going to be a a mix of both. And it's going to take him to, like, get off. Like, he'll get off to maybe a 10-yard clip run or something and everybody be cheering. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's how I think it's it's going to be. It's going to take one. It's going to take one productive run, and then everybody's going to be back on board. They may for that moment because the first four games he hasn't been here, and all this built up soap opera drama they've been going through for such a long period of time. Uh, yeah. That will be at the forefront of their reactions. But after that initial reaction, I don't think it's going to be an overwhelming boo. I just think it's. I just didn't know if it'd go like Paul George or something like that. No, uh, no, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think so at all. And it's going to take like one run, one significant productive run, and then it's all going to be over. And everybody could say, "Yeah, twenty-eight's my guy. Twenty-eight, we're glad yeah. you're back." And that's going to be it. I mean, I'm I'm excited for the backfield for sure. And then the other question I just had was just uh, on Chase Claypool. Is he worth six rounders? I I wouldn't happen? mess with that. That dude. 
that dude just seems, and he's got so much talent. And remember in Pittsburgh, when the start of his rookie season, remember he got, and everybody was saying, oh, man, this is the guy, and the Colts missed out on that guy. They should have went after him, should have targeted him. He had such a, to me, you look back on, I think most of his rookie season was productive. I know some of it was. And yeah. yeah, since that point in time, he's been a mess, both on the field and off the field. So if that's the case with him, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Fair enough. All right, man, I'll try and get you at the next, uh, um, you know, shots. and. You got it. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. coming up, by the way. Yeah, Slippery Noodle for that on Thursday. Okay. Slippery Noodle. Awesome. We'll drink right, with Brent Holverson there. I don't have a 10-foot pole, but if I did, I wouldn't. Uh, there's just no way. That guy has been such a clown. And he does look like he has all the talent in the world, and everybody from Notre Dame certainly would tell you that. But outside of you know portions of his rookie season when everybody got excited, it doesn't seem like he's done anything except be a pain and a mess. So no, I wouldn't. I saw, I saw where he's not welcome back in the building there, which he probably thinks is is a positive, not being in the building, the Bears building, mind you. Hey, by the way, too, uh, shout out to Andy Sweeney. I know Mason is at home now. That is a pretty cool onesie right there. Little gas <laughs> with the Giants onesie. Yeah, that's a morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. Weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. right here. Jake at noon and then me at 3. I am going to be out tomorrow, and Derek Schultz will be in here for me tomorrow. I've got to have a dental procedure. Uh, Dr. Giggles is going to grab all his equipment and start giggling in and around my mouth. No, Jim, honestly, it's going to be the super dentist Brad Sammons coming up tomorrow. Uh, making sure, probably telling me, don't ever bite down on a pretzel rod again, knucklehead. Uh, But I've had a toothache basically since Friday. So he's going to curb that, uh, either with more drugs or something. And then I'll be back coming up on Thursday. So shout out to Derek, who's going to be in here tomorrow. Thursday show, Slippery Noodle. That's Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Week number five. And then, hey, on Friday, Bud Light Blue Friday, We've got, and we're going to have plenty too, because remember, this is just one time. Like, we had to go through, I think, three weeks in preparation, three shows in preparation for the Rams. We'll have a ton of Titans Colts tickets to give coming up on Friday. Sam Silver Circle. Over by Fountain Square. I love Sam Silver Circle. We'll be there coming up on Friday. Bud Light Blue Friday. Uh, this is from Wes. The morning show still should be called Sweebo. There's no doubt about that, Wes. But, you know, people around here don't listen to me about anything. The morning wake-up call with Sweebo. And I don't, I don't know if, if Kevin, I think Kevin contractually had it written where his name had to be first. And then, you know, you wanted to use KB and not you know, Kevin and Andy because that sounds like some uh, Saturday morning, early toddler type of show right there. It's on after Captain Kangaroo with Kevin and Andy. But now, seriously, Sweebo is money right there. But they're doing a good job. Weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. right here on The Fan. And uh, congratulations to Andy. I believe Andy's wife is named Nikki, too. 
congratulations for getting a little gas home. Outstanding. All right, quick break, and we shall return. I've got more bullseye tickets for you. Uh, James, I'll lead with you on the other side. Anybody else as well inside the lounge via YouTube Live, of course, sponsored by with our cheese spreaders, Winshuler's spreadable cheeses, a variety of flavors, including original cheddar and sharp cheddar available at Kroger and Meyer locations throughout central Indiana and readily available and really all flavors right now at the Kroger location on Southport Road. So if you're riding around on a motor scooter or a rascal or a moped and you can squeeze into that parking lot, the Winshulers is there to be had. Winshulers spreadable cheeses online for recipes and more today. That's winshulers.com. All right, tomorrow's show, we'll tell you about that with Derek Schultz in for me. And then Thursday and Friday, we're going to rev it up for week number five on the road. That and more in your calls next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick, chicky, boom, chick, chicky, 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I love you guys, too, because you know I have no idea who you're talking about. Hey, JMV, why aren't you talking about Kevin McCarthy? And my response was, oh, you mean that guy in Mannequin? <laughs> no idea who that is. Is that who you're talking The guy in Mannequin? One of the Brat Pack. The Brat Pack. I know. No, the- that's Andrew McCarthy. Okay. Andrew McCarthy. See, Not, I, yeah, I would guess if I had heard that name, I would have guessed the kid from Home Alone. But then it's Kevin McAllister, isn't that? Yeah, the that's that's yeah. the actually his uh, his role, his character. Well, yeah, it's Macaulay Culkin. Andrew McCarthy's the actor. Andrew McCarthy was in Mannequin, mm-hmm. um, and that's not Kevin McCarthy. But that's who I thought that they were talking about when they mentioned that. Andrew McCarthy was in Saint Almost Fire. Andrew McCarthy was in uh, Less Than Zero. Was in Class. A good role in class right there, if you guys remember. Hey, JMV, did you get Foo Fighters tickets for Great American Ballpark coming up in July? I don't think I did. I need to go to that, though. I don't. I guess they're not coming here, but they're playing Great American Ballpark coming up next July, I believe, is the date. I know a lot of you decided to go out there and get tickets. Great. Good for you. Hey, JMV, I heard you talk a little bit earlier about the defense. I also wondered why, especially as they got a more injured Stafford at quarterback in the latter portions of that game in overtime, they didn't go hard after him. Just rush four, kind of straight up. And one, that's how Gus Bradley does it. And two, I'm assuming they were trying to protect uh, the secondary. But three, you got your ass beat because of it. I just love what they did in Baltimore. And what they did in Baltimore, they went at them with a more aggressive style. Which is not the forte of Gus Bradley. But you know what it did? It worked. And we're talking about Lamar Jackson that can move around a little bit. Seriously, Matthew Stafford was nails and tough as hell. But he looked like he needed to be rolling around on a rascal at Kroger. And they could do nothing. And we were talking to Greg Raystraw about that a little bit earlier. And he said, well, you know, Sean McVay is a pretty good coach. But still, the, the Colts didn't try. 
They just played that straight up as normal, and it bit them. Bob Kravitz, Brad Spielberger, Greg Gregstraw, the podcast 107.5thefan.com. James is up next at 239-1070. Hello, James. Uh, hey, John. Hey, I don't know if you've talked about this. You probably have. I just jumped on. But, uh, you know, we're here. We are what year? How many years we're saying receivers, playmakers? Why can't we get some? You know, I look at Washington and Sam Howell. He almost – it was a similar game to what we had, too. He has two playmakers, though, two yeah. receivers. Like, right. like he almost won. But you put Richardson in his – that's how – with Sam Howell's team, and you'd have a pretty good team. We've seen the best we're going to get out of the team this year. If we don't get playmakers and receivers, and I'm tired of saying it, and I, I really wish Chris Bauer would come on and we could like tell him, "Hey, man, you need receivers and playmakers. That's no. what you need." Well, and yeah. I, I've already promised James. I promised earlier on the show that this off season, moving into next year, um, if if I'm going to camp out in his yard until he goes out and gets somebody, so, somebody like you know what they did with AJ Brown, and, and I know. This is easier said than done, but yeah. like what they did with, with AJ Brown in Philadelphia, which helped that team because that is easy, the logical next step for this team, and that is so necessary. You have to do it. And I agree with you as far as you know having somebody like McLaurin would be a big deal, but um, yeah. you've you've got you've got to do that if you're him. And I'll be camping out in his yard until he does it. He's hey, probably got I a nice yard though, probably better than my house. But go ahead. Can I say I'm actually really I'm really worried, and the reason why I'm worried is I don't know if they really care about the players to protect them enough because Andrew Luck had went through the same thing and he ended up leaving because he couldn't do anymore physically, and Richardson's going to be out there playing the sideline to sideline game and not the twenty to twenty. And I really worried that they think players are expendable. That's just me. What do you think, John? Um, and thank you for the call. This is just my theory. I have nothing to go on here. But I just think if you believe Anthony Richardson is your long-term future and you honestly look at this roster and then, by the way, you hire Shane Steichen to come in and know where he is from and, and know who he called plays for a year ago and how that worked and, by the way, how that continues to work now that he is gone, If you don't recognize that mammoth shortcoming at that position and somebody that can be a major factor, and again, I sit here and tell you honestly, it is easier said than done, but other teams do it, and the Colts have to do it. I don't know what the countdown is going to be. I don't know how long it's going to take, but you have to do it, and you have to know that going in. You have to know that going in by the quarterback that you drafted and by the head coach that you hired. I don't know if his philosophy has changed altogether, but in terms of what you need at that position, all you have to do is look at the team that used to employ your head coach. Oh, I know, I know. Their offensive line, and I know they have all these other weapons too, but I'm talking about somebody like an A.J. Brown that is a game break. You have to go out and find yourself an already established one. Dan Orlovsky is going to join us on the show coming up on Friday, and he made that point a little bit earlier today too. Can you imagine if they had dot, 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 this? Question mark. 
and talking about a significant wide receiver. Nothing against Michael Pittman Jr., but that is the logical next step. It is not going to be enough to just bring back and extend Michael Pittman Jr. Not going to be enough. Camping out in the yard. Uh, John Buzzard says, so you mentioned the movie Mannequin and the Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now song instantly plays in my head. Ridiculous but awesome 80s movie. Yeah, it was terrible. But, I mean, McCarthy got paid. And that's immediately what I thought of when somebody said the Kevin McCarthy. I thought Andrew McCarthy. All right, then. Because you know I'm not down with that stuff. Hey, Rob Albright checks in. So Shoeless Cheese available in the north side at any Kroger is a myth, JMV. One tub of pepper jack, nothing else. Come on, Kroger. I'm not stopping this crusade until it's stocked. I will say this. It is the same for me off of Smoky Row down near Bargersville. Only one tub of pepper jack, but evidently at the Southport Road south side location at Kroger, uh, it is stocked. It is ample Schuler's cheeses. You could have a party with that spreadability. Cheese. True. Daryl's next at 239-1070. Hello, Daryl. Hey, JMV. How you doing, brother? Great. How are the rides on Saturday night? I uh, didn't drive Saturday night. Got uh, into a drunken poker game on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. What do you got, buddy? Hey, it's not that Ballard doesn't know he needs the linemen and wide receivers. It's just he doesn't want to pay. For, for that quality of player. We've seen it year after year. He goes and gets a fifth-round or sixth-round draft pick and thinks they're going to turn out and protect his quarterback and be a number one or number two wide receiver, and it's just not working out. It hasn't worked out since he's been here. Until he goes out and starts getting a good number one receiver and some linemen pr- to protect this guy, the same thing's going to happen to happen to Richardson as what happened to the quarterback in the Giants game last night. I tell you what, Daryl, if you don't realize when you go out and believe that you purchase, for example, a, a German import car like a Porsche, like me, right? And again, I had I had what was basically a German Fiero, 1974, but that was my problem because I went out. When I first got my license, had a Porsche 914, target top, roof came off, looked great. And you know what I had in the dash? I had a Sparkomatic stereo. That doesn't work. I mean, you got to understand that you got to go big in areas in which you need to go big. So that should be a new philosophy. If it hasn't been the philosophy, which clearly it has not, hopefully that has changed. And I think as we go game to game here, and especially on Sunday, that becomes more recognizable. I mean, look at the way that Rams team played in overtime. He had a Matt, a Matt Stafford that could barely walk, but he had an offensive lineman that protected him. Plus, he had two wide receivers that could get open. One was a rookie yep. from BYU that was drafted, what, in the fifth or sixth round. Yep. And 
that's how you win. Games. And the other guy, the other guy was a guy that had been around for a while and really didn't, you know, on Atwell really didn't materialize. And obviously Van Jefferson's still there too. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you too. And and really, I, I put a lot of that on the Colts defense too. I mean, think about it. The Rams hadn't been able to run the football until Sunday. Uh, the Rams had a hobbled quarterback, as you mentioned, a Matthew Stafford that looked like a man beyond men on Sunday because nobody went hard at him. I mean, it was the same kind of soft stuff that Gus Bradley normally does, and he went away from what he did against the Ravens. He went at Lamar Jackson. He put pressure on an offensive line that was dinged up, and the Rams were similar to that. You know, they were lost losing a, a left tackle in that game, too. Didn't play. And it just it, it was nonsense the way the defensive approach was, especially in the latter portions, Daryl, that game, when it was clear that Stafford couldn't move around. They put zero pressure on him. I mean, it was a good second half for, for the Colts, but they didn't finish. Yeah. And it, you know, yeah, I put more of that on the defense, even though it was a slow start on both sides of the football for a half of football. I, I, the, the defense never came to the table in the fashion, Daryl, in which it had played through the first three weeks. That was disappointing. How tough is that, Stafford, though? No, he was tough as, he was tough as nails. on. I, I gave him credit where credit is due because a lot of other dudes, a lot of other dudes would have went to the sideline and he when stayed he out a, there. When he was a rookie quarterback with the Lions, that one game he had a dislocated shoulder and he went back in and threw a touch that was a dislocated shoulder. shoulder. Daryl, talk to you on Saturday, my brother. Have a good one, brother. Yeah. So the defense, and I mentioned this yesterday, the defense is where I put most of the blame and how it was handled. And, and you give credit, and, and both sides of the football – was awful in the first half. And that should be unacceptable on both sides. But, yeah, to me, the defense, the entire game stayed where it was. The offense got up. Well, Anthony Richardson got up. But the defense never did. And, and again, what you got, it wasn't so much the defense as it was. You could tell Sean McVay just said, you know, my quarterback can't move very much, so I'm dialing down things myself here offensively. And they were in survival mode late in that game. And then ultimately had enough of the overtime to punch it in. Put a lot of that on that Colts D. And you can make the argument, well, there's no DeForest Buckter was on a pitch count, whatever. But just to sit back and and to let that happen, you know, no rush, no pressure on a hobbled quarterback up front and just free and clean and clear in the secondary whenever you wanted is, is unacceptable. Regardless of what you think about this Colts team and what you believe they can do or what their timeline is, all of that stuff, that that was unacceptable. Colts Titans coming up on Sunday. I got tickets for you on Friday. Sam Silver Circle, Bud Light Blue Friday. We got that for you, too. And Thursday, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. We'll be live for you. Be ready to go at Slippery Noodle downtown. Quick break, and we shall come back for a final time. We've got uh, Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day coming up here as well. 50-50 betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson. Final pair or two of bullseye passes coming at you in the next 15 or so as well. Don't go anywhere. 93.51075, the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Don't! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Your Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day, Brian Ward, the winner. Ben Rayson was the horse, paid out six forty on a two dollar bet, two dollar exacta, three sixty seven forty. The fifty cent trifecta went for six hundred and eight dollars and forty five cents. So for Brian, fifty fifty in betting and dining for the win there. I'm telling you, the steakhouse inside Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson is outstanding. So 50-50 in betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Your Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day, Tuesday through Friday, every week right here through December. Because the racing at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson goes through the first couple of weeks of December. So check that out today. Hang with us every week and we'll send you up there a winner. It's going to happen. Uh, game number one, best of three, AL wildcard, Rangers four zip over the Rays. So now the Rays back against the wall tomorrow again at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. That is uh, the Rangers 4 nothing over the Rays. Uh, Twins three zip right now, top of four at home at Target Field over the Blue Jays. Uh, Blue Jays going into the fourth inning with now two hits as it stands. Diamondbacks, Brewers, Marlins, and Phillies in the National League coming up in the best of three wild cards later on this evening. 7 o'clock for the Diamondbacks and the Brewers in Milwaukee. Marlins and Phillies come at you at 8 o'clock tonight from, I'd love to say it like back in the day, Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. I believe it's Lincoln Financial Field now in Philadelphia. Something like that. As your Major League Baseball scoreboard. If you missed the news today, uh, the Indiana-Kentucky series is going to be resurrected December the 20th, 2025, Rupp Arena in Lexington. December 27th, 2026, Lucas Oil Stadium, where I saw this via Rick Bozich explained after talking to Scott Dolson that... A majority of the 43,000 tickets that will be made available for that December the 27th game at Lucas Oil Stadium will be made available to IU fans. So for whatever that's worth, a lot of IU fans are going, wait a minute, you get Rupp twice and Assembly Hall once. What gives? That was the Dolson explanation reportedly to Rick Bozich. And again, that Lucas Oil Stadium game is December 27, 2026. Rupp Arena in Lexington again in 2027. And here's what's funny right here. My 58th birthday? No, 59th birthday. Oh, God. My 59th birthday is when... They go back to Assembly Hall in Bloomington. <laughs> That's true, right? Yeah. 2028, 58. You're 53 now? Uh, huh? Yeah. You're 53. Yeah, yeah. that sounds that's yeah, not right. I'll be my... Oh God. <laughs> 
That's ridiculous to think about right there, James. But no, seriously, that's the news of the day regarding IU and Kentucky resuming the series further down the road. I just did the math and kind of made myself sick right there a little bit. My bad. Never do that again. Good Lord. (laughs) That's some tough math right there. That's from Paul. Hey, JMV, does the CBD oil help fix your toothache? It does not. Here's what's funny. I have, uh, from my friend Sarah, gave me some. It's the roll-on type. It looks like deodorant, but it isn't. And uh, I sniff it all the time. I'm just, I guess I'm over the point to where it really does anything. I know it's not going to do anything as I sniff it. But even when I, I put it on, sometimes I put it on my neck, and I get a little bit of better feeling there. But uh, it doesn't do as much for me. Sorry about that. Not Lincoln Financial Field. Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. (laughs) Lincoln Financial. I don't know where I got that from. And it wasn't even close. Awesome. Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. That's where the Phillies play. (laughs) Lincoln Financial. Was that something? Or did I just come up with that? Isn't that the Eagle Stadium? Or wasn't it the Eagle Stadium? The link? Um. Oh, is that what that is? I, th- I think maybe that's, that's where I come up with that is. All right, then. Hey, JMV Dolson is the reason you hire a professional athletic director, not just a nice guy that was a manager for Bob Knight. <laughs> See that? That is part of the IU fan base that's thinking, yeah, this didn't go right, and a lot of things hadn't gone right. All right, man. Great job today, James. Thank you very much. My thanks to Bob Kravitz. Bob Laryngitis Kravitz, who will rejoin at some point in time. Brad Spielberger, PFF. Greg Graystraw a little bit earlier, too. Derek Schultz in for me tomorrow. Um, The super dentist is going to go mess around in my mouth tomorrow morning and see if he can fix some issues right there. An issue. I'll be back on Thursday. Slippery Noodle, Larsity Bourbon Locks, Luna Zool Tequila Shots. Big week the remainder of the way. Derek Schultz in right here tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Have a great night.